Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast. It is me, your host, Evan, here with the infamous Gabriel Montalvo and the way more talented Gabriel. <laughs> Guys, before we get started, please, 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 if you haven't already, please go to EmpireStateConservatives.com. Links to all of our shows and merchandise, the proceeds of which go back into helping us fight leftist tyranny here in New York. For everyone who bought shirts today, Thank you very much. You kept me very busy at work, not doing my job and actually fulfilling orders. And it's very, very much appreciated. But let's just get into it. Gabrielle, you're going to get us going to start. Why don't you tell the people what horrible, horrible things are happening in the world today? Because everything is just just bad. (laughs) Well, uh, firstly, since 2020, our social media feeds have been riddled with concerned parents having heated exchanges in these school board meetings. Um, and it really turned out to May 17th, having these rec- record turnouts for school board elections. Um, unfortunately, I know in my district, Capitol Hills, our parental rights, as I like to call them, our parental rights advocates, parents lost. Um, but all into it, you know, when it comes to kids, politics shouldn't matter. However, according to the 14th Amendment, uh, which protects the fundamental right of parents to you know, direct the care and upbringing of education to our children. It is momentous that these parents are so heavily involved in our districts. I'm a little disappointed by the turnout. I don't really think as many people got out and voted as they should have, but that's an aside. Um, And then on top of that, the uh, following topics that we can discuss also are going to be about um, tragedy in Texas. Again, um, we're going to talk about the reaction from the left regarding, um, you know, this, this terrible tragedy but again, bringing in the conversation of gun control. All right. So that's a lot to break down. Let's start very, very simply with the extreme leftist indoctrination that's going through the public school system. This is not news to anybody. This has been going on for years. And one of the big ways that the left does this is they claim it's not happening. Oh, prove it. Show me where it is. And it's it's everywhere. It's in the curriculum. It's in the books. And more importantly, it is actually in professional development for teachers. And I have a screenshot, which I'm about to put on the screen. And if you're listening through audio, too bad. There's no way for me to show this to you. But you can go visit our website at EmpireStateConservatives.com and go to our social media or Gabe's social media. And the video will be there. But this is what they want teachers to learn. This is an actual picture that I took with my phone during professional development. The gender-bred person. Now, it's not as ridiculous as the gender unicorn which again (laughs) unicorns aren't real and gender theory is also not real so it's kind of actually more compatible but this is the stuff they want that teachers need to learn in order to develop professionally and i will go ahead and say this right now it is absolutely not a teacher's job to be talking to a student about gender identity gender expression sex their gender sexual orientation or any of these things that is absolutely not a teacher's job but this is in all aspects. This is it is in the curriculum. It's in the books that they pick. It's in the professional development that they send you to. And they are trying to push all this nonsense into public schools. And the fact that parents, again, being labeled as quote unquote domestic terrorists for going to school board meetings and demanding that this racist and thank CRT is racist, but this idiotic gender theory is being pushed on kids. It has no place in schools. All this stuff has place in the home. And if a student can't talk to their parents about this and they are going through it, they should have someone to talk to. That person's called the therapist. Every school has one. There is no reason for students and teachers to be discussing any of this. And it, it just 
it blows my mind that anyone would defend this. Yeah. And if you don't, I'm going to interject here. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that these, this type of, you know, extreme ideologues that are being pushed in the classroom are really just an attempt by these hefty lefty teachers to show, to, to make our students into little activists, right? It's this, it's really a big mask t- cover up for how poorly these teachers unions and the Board of Education has completely soiled the American education system from bottom up. You know, we have we have single digit literacy rates in some cities and states across the country. Like that, to me, is here is these you know these crazy bureaucratic institutions that are ridden by Democrats and liberals that obviously fail at all things financially, socially, politically. <laughs> And now they have to kind of backpedal and try and make up for their colossal failure failures. So they're going to push this heavy ideological rhetoric to try and, you know, make our students into, into snowflakes. And it's disgusting. Gabe, do you have anything to say? Oh, no, of course. No, I was just making sure that we were good because sometimes we have a delay. But no, I mean, when you look at what's being implemented in our schools today, when you see the amount of opinions rather than facts that and, and feelings that you're getting with, from teachers who are blatantly telling you their political ideologies, especially uh, when the younger that the child gets, uh, the more at risk parents are. Um, you know, there's a picture I put up on my social media where it has a, uh, um, a teacher with a hoodie that says, I'm the type of teacher that Fox News yes. uh, about with, <laughs> with a picture of all the presidents up on her in her classroom, except Donald Trump, the, the evil orange man, he's upside down. Uh, but, you know, she doesn't show any bias, right? But these are the people who teach her children. History is objective. And yet, yeah, you know, mo- like most studies should be. But yet here we are taking sides and we'll then indoctrinate them. Because guess what? If you don't take your, your teacher's ideology, if you don't take her, their ideas, they will find a reason to fail you. We'll find a reason not to pass you whether it be in public education or if you're going into higher education when it comes to colleges and universities, where you could even, where that could even pose a bigger risk unless you you try and fight it. But who knows what the administrative department in any facet of education will decide on. I mean, you look at what, how critical race theory is being pushed into schools uh, in tandem with the BLM tenants and their, uh, their 13, um, the 13 guiding principles, as they call it. Number one is restorative justice to, uh, they're committed to collectively, a loving and courageous working vigorous for freedom and racial uh, and racial justice for black people and by extension all people as we forge our path we intentionally build and nurture a beloved community that is bonded together through a beautiful struggle that is restorative not depleting it's all very nice fluff but then they move on through their 13 tenets and then mention comrade and we know that comrade is a word that many socialists and communists have used throughout the past in history to try and garner more people. It's like almost when, um, I forgot what was the French uh, philosopher, but uh, you, you had to call each other citizen. Was it, uh, was it Pierre? Um, I don't know. It was one of those fancy French guys who wears the short pants. But yeah, all much. this stuff comes from <laughs> postmodern theory, and it's all pure nonsense. And I was speaking to a young black man who works at my school and I saw him reading the Jordan Peterson book. So I was like, all right, this is a safe person to talk to about this. And we had this discussion. It's all about, it's all, it's, it's just marketing. It's all marketing. It's saying something that sounds good because again, who's going to be against black lives matter. No one disagrees that black lives matter. So let's call the organization black lives matter. Let's call it 
equity, let's call it the blah, blah, and whatever the hell names they want to use. In reality, it's all nonsense. And what it really comes down to, and people forget, it's theory. So you're using something like critical race theory, postmodern theory, gender theory, and you're pushing it as fact. It's not a fact. It's a theory. It's something that is not proven. And it's used to indoctrinate students, and it's absolutely unacceptable. You're dumbing down the next generation. You're creating a generation where everyone has anxiety because what you've been telling these kids for the last 10 years is that, oh, everyone is racist. They're out to kill you. The cops are out to kill you. All the white people want you dead. Oh, the earth is burning. It's up to you to save the world. That's too much to put on the next generation, and none of it's true. So they wonder why all these kids have anxiety. It's because they've been pushed all this nonsense for years and they get it 24-7 because they're all on social media. They're all all over these websites, TikTok. All this crap is pushing the same nonsense. And it's being pushed by not only these losers like Ibram X. Kendi, who is just a complete hack, or any of these gender theory pieces of garbage. It's being pushed by mainstream Democrat politicians. And it's all lies. It's lies and nonsense. And it's designed for fundraising. And for votes, because if you get them when they're eight years old, you have them when they're 18. And that's their plan. That's why you constantly hear them go, oh, we should lower the voting age to 16, blah, blah, blah. We should do all these things. And because these kids don't know any better, they're not taught any better. And it's going to take them having the critical thinking skills, which they're not being taught, and the, the want to, to research any of this or to go against the grain. And they're not going to have that. Most of the generation is not going to have it because they're being spoon fed this stuff right to their face and they accept it as fact when in reality it's not. I recently found out that Common Core is still being implemented in the classroom. I don't know why, but it's I thought such that garbage. It's terrible and it's impossible. I thought Common Core was, was done away with a long time ago. And I really thought about it and I'm like, you know what? This makes perfect sense though, because basically what the Common Core does is it takes all the creativity, all the entrepreneurialism out of the education system, and basically train students to think for a test, think for getting the grade, getting the number, and going to a higher institution. There is no more trade schools. There is no more alternatives to college. It is simply, you're going to take this test based on what you read, what I say, and you're just going to spit it back on a piece of paper, and we'll call that learning. And that, to me, is training our youth to not be able to use their own brain and think for themselves and critical think and see the bigger picture. It's basically training their brain from a very young age to just be like echo chambers of everything that they learn. But even, so, even worse is that they've lowered the standard for everybody. And we talked about this a little bit and we're not going to, I don't want to jump ahead, but they canceled the U S history regions because there was a question that might trigger trauma for people due to the Buffalo shooting. Which, now, regardless which, of what the question was, whether it was about not, uh, World War II, whether it was about yeah. the KKK, whatever it was, it's irrelevant. You are now sheltering these students so bad that they can't take a test. Out Again, if you wanted to make an exception for kids affected by the Buffalo shooting, go ahead. I'm all yeah. for that. If you've been, if you were personally affected by this tragedy, you should, and they really thought that this was possible, fine. It's a very small number of people. But there is no reason why kids on Long Island, New York City, can't take the U.S. history regions because of a tragedy that happened in the city of Buffalo. They, it, it's unbelievable. These kids are so soft now. They can't handle anything. It's, 
it's it, and you're a teacher. You would you would sorry, Gabe. You would know this a little bit better. You know, didn't they just used to redact questions on the test? It would literally just be a question that says this question has been redacted, and you would move on to the next thing. I mean, why was it that they had to cancel the entire exam rather than either just changing the section, putting in a section from an old test, which I know they've done before, or they could have just completely, you know, just just like took out that one section and had the kids take a shorter test. I mean, why did they why did they choose to just completely omit the test altogether when we know there's alternatives um, just beyond me? Anyway, sorry. Most, most likely because they were too lazy to do any of that. I mean, I spoke to the English teacher in my school and she's like, why didn't they just take a rubber stamp and redact the question? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would have been that easy. But no, no, let's just cancel the test. Cancel it. Cancel oh, well, New it. York, get, you know, forget it. New York State is full of rubber room teachers. I mean, that's just... You know, that, that's just plain as day. But I, I really don't think that it's necessarily the children per se that, you know, would be to blame when you have not only a the millennial generation parents that are raising their children mm-hmm. in such a coddled fashion, not to mention this is being echoed by the parents, I uh, sorry, by the teachers who are arguably with the students, with the children more than the parents are. There can be an argument for that. And so if you have someone that's telling you from a position of authority as a teacher, especially going through the K-12 system, telling you it's okay, we understand your pain, and you're just like, hey, I... You know, I just walked into class today, you know, like, what am I, how does this affect me? But you're then telling them, you're putting that in their mind that, hey, because something happened so far away, I, you know, I now have to virtue signal, either be in solidarity, whatever, it it affects me. It then becomes a, hey, look at me situation. That's how you get them into little activists, because then it's like, how much, how can I show other people how, uh, how empathetic or sympathetic I am? And, and eventually that's how they posted onto, you know, onto such a grand stage like social media. But that, that also goes back to all of this postmodern theory is that that trauma is generational, right? And to, and to a certain point it is. Um, my grandfather's whole family was killed in the Holocaust and that affected him very greatly. And it, it definitely affected the way that he raised my mother and definitely mother, affected the way that he interacted with people. But in reality, I don't get triggered when I see a German flag. I don't get triggered even when I see a Nazi flag in a textbook. I understand, you know, I have the critical thinking skills to go, this is something that happened. This is something that was terrible and it happened and it affected my family greatly, but it's not something that I need to like like, explode about when something like when I see it, it's not. And they use this as an excuse now for everything. And it's not even an excuse that people think of on their own. It's that they're told that it's an excuse, right? Because if we look at African-American families before the implementation of the civil rights movement, again, civil rights movement, hundred percent necessary. I'm not putting down the civil rights movement, but there was stuff put in there and there was stuff that was purposely implemented by Lyndon Baines Johnson to keep the black family down before the, the civil rights movement. The black family was the strongest family unit in America. The second you instituted a welfare and the, system, and, they destroyed them. They were, they were the top population of business owners. No, absolutely. They were doing amazing. And black business owners were extremely successful. Again, we had issues. There shouldn't have been segregation in schools. There shouldn't have been segregation on buses. I'm not, no one yeah. is arguing that before people start freaking out. But the problem is they purposely put that stuff in there in order to put people down. So these people who were one or two generations away from slavery, really, were doing great. They were doing awesome. So what's the excuse now? Why now is slavery the trauma that is holding down the black community? It's not. It's government welfare programs because they were designed to destroy the family. Everyone knows 
The most successful groups in America are the ones with the strongest family bonds. Asian Americans, richest per capita in America. Why? Hard work ethic and strongest family bonds. By the time the kid's six years old, the dad's like, why don't you have a job? Why aren't you a doctor? Right? Everyone knows this stuff. This, is, this isn't news, right? The same thing with Indian Americans. The same thing with Caribbean, Caribbean Americans who are extremely successful. They're black. How come, how come they're, how, how come they're successful? It's because they've been told this lie. It's all for votes. It's all for division. It's pure nonsense. If we turn off the messages of division and just try to live our lives and improve our lives with ignoring all the garbage where people are telling you, you can't do something, you will be more successful. Not everyone's going to be a millionaire. That's just the way it works. It's, it's not possible. If everyone's a millionaire, guess what? Being a millionaire doesn't mean anything. You can't get anything. And it's, they, they just don't get it. It's all designed to make you think that it's someone else's fault. The second you stop blaming other people for your failures is the moment that you will be successful because you will understand that by busting your ass, you will reach your potential. And everyone's potential is different. I have kids in my school where their potential is probably going to be sweeping a floor and changing toilet paper rolls. But if they believe that they can't do anything, they're going to be sitting at home on welfare. There's a big difference between having a good janitorial job where you can make a decent amount of money and sitting at home getting scraps from the government. There's a huge difference. But they're telling these kids that there is no difference. No, something yeah, well it's 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 extremely important to be able to highlight and not put down other people's jobs and other people's professions. And Gabby, something that you had said about vocational schools right now, prior to COVID, we were at a deficit of trades in the tens of millions. COVID only affected that um, you know, by God knows how much. I would almost say double, um, but it's also demonized. If you don't go to college, then you know you're not worth your salt. Depending on certain, you know, certain elitists in their ivory towers. I'll give you an example. My high school was a vocational school. I took business courses. I had friends who took graphic design, cosmetology, electrical, uh, electric installation, and plumbing, and they're doing great for themselves. But the school itself said we will no call we will no longer call ourselves Queens Vocational and Technical High School. We would just call ourselves Queens Technical High School because vocational has a negative connotation to it. Yep. So and, it makes no sense. And you know what's crazy? I, I really think it I have this theory that it it really stemmed from the stupid bumper stickers that parents put on the back of their cars. Like the modern like Gen Xers are so obsessed with this idea of their kids going to college and their kids being the success of the family, because I think they find it kind of like a reflection of their parenting. Somehow higher education has become a reflection of Gen X's parenting skills. So those stupid bumper stickers that these parents are sticking on the back of their cars adds this kind of added pressure to all the, to their communities, to other students, to their own children, that they have to go to school in order to make mommy and daddy proud and to be anything in society. And I mean, that bumper sticker is kind of just, a, you know, a small segment of the example I'm providing, but it definitely does play a big role generationally and, and society wise. And my father's a mechanic. He's one of the most successful mechanics in the United States. He runs a, a big facility, he helps with New York State. Um, he's helped with like New York State legislation for DOT and things like that. And he's having such a problem finding people to hire. He has literally walked to the streets, found somebody that seemed like they needed a job and said, hey, do you want to work? I can train you from top to bottom. Just come to my office. Let's talk. I'll pay you. Let's do this. And another problem is nobody's taking the job. Nobody wants to work. So I think also like those, those 
trade jobs like the mechanics and the carpenters are now struggling because there was this giant lapse in people not taking these these schools, not understanding the trades, and now no one wants to work in general. So it's 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 a big big problem, and you know I witnessed it firsthand with my dad. So. No, and, and in reality, there we try to put in my school. We push a lot of kids towards vocational school because cool. they won't they won't succeed in college. We have a kid right now who goes, "I want to go to community college," and I looked him dead in his face and I go, "You will not be successful in community college." Where You're do you teach again? I work in a D seventy five school in New York City, so it's right. all special ed. It's all special education. This is, I hate to use this term, it's bottom of the barrel special education. So at the end of the day, it's these kids. Some of the, and we've had smart kids in the past. And again, not these kids are dumb, but we have a lot of low IQ students. Yeah. We have a lot of students with severe disabilities, whether it's mental, whether it's learning disabilities. And I, I had to tell this kid straight to his face because he he got out of high school by the grace of God. If they had not had COVID and he did not get a buy on the English regions, there was no chance he was graduating from high school. And I told him straight to his face. I go, dude, you will not be successful in college. You're going to spend three years doing remedial classes. And the second you get to a regular class, you are going to fail out. I'm like, you need to figure out something where you can get a good job. Because he's not, it's not that he's not. But you did the right smart. thing. It's that he doesn't retain information from the books. He doesn't retain that, quote unquote, normal education information. And we've mm -hmm. had students like that. We had, And we have, I had two students last year who are now very successful. One is doing barbering and he's doing a very good job and he's working part time. And the other one did the Cisco information system, and he's very good with computers. But there was no way that if he was in a regular school, he would ever have graduated high school. Because we are District 75 school, our grading system is different. So an 85 average in our school may be a 60 average in a regular school because oh, we yeah. understand the students that we're with. Yeah. So to not push kids towards that, and I've talked with the administration, and yeah. they've been, quote, you know, they say that they're receptive, but we'll see what they actually do. And I told him, you need to bring in programs where these kids can start learning trades in high school because it is a waste of time for half of these kids to start doing all of this stuff. Get them on alternate assessment if you need to. Let, let them learn the basics of barbering. Let them learn the basics of carpentry, the basics of, of any of this stuff. And then they can go get a certification basically right after because they'll know most of it already and they'll be more successful sooner. And they mm -hmm. claim that they're receptive. But again... It, it all comes down to money. New York City would rather burn money on administrators and and not give it towards where, where it's really needed, which is the student. Here's a question for you. Do you does your school get kickbacks from colleges when you when a student applies through you guys to their college? So That's I a very have good no question. idea about that. Um, we since we are District 75, our school actually has seven locations. Then varying degrees of hospitalization. I'm actually in an outpatient facility, which is why I don't give the name of the building because it's a mental health facility. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, I mean, it's entirely possible. But I mean, we have, we've had computer, like my, the teacher in my homeroom, her computer is eight years old. It's an eight-year-old Mac. Like that thing's completely useless now. It can't update. It takes 20 minutes to start up. And sometimes it, the screen just goes black. And the money is not being put into the students. The money is being funneled into administration and it's being funneled into the people at the top. The fact that the, for, that all these people make all this money, there's no way all these people are worth it. You don't need a, a superintendent for District 75 and then an assistant superintendent for District 75. And then each of them have secretaries and all these other things. Do, uh, listen, I get it, it's a lot of work. You're getting paid a ton of money. So if I take one person, get the superintendent, give him a staff of two people, 
who don't make as much as the assistant superintendent, boom. I've never seen the superintendent. He has never come to our school. So it's it's all this money is wasted. And people want to complain about, oh, corporations, they burn all their money at the top. It's completely different. Corporations are not worried about the future of the children. We're supposed to be educating these students so they can be functional members of society. So Thomas Jefferson said the role of education should be that you can function and understand your own government and your own society and you can be a functional member of the society. That is a completely different thing than someone working their way up to become a CEO who's running the entire company, who's responsible for hundreds and thousands of jobs. And that's what their job is. These people are responsible to students and they're not giving the students what they need. And, you know, the, the issue I find within public education, it's like it is the most layered and complex bureaucratic organization, if you will. It's not an organization, but it's part of the bureaucracy. And it is the it, it is like, how is how is it possible that I go to, well, I went to Half Hollow Hills, right? And that's one of the most renowned high school, school districts in all of New York, okay? But literally maybe 15 minutes down the road, I have Wine Danch High School. And Wine Danch in, in, you know, Long Island is considered an impoverished neighborhood. It is, you know, a lot of people refer to it as a ghetto, but then you have that high school that is literally like, it's not even 15 minutes from me. It's almost like down the block. And that school has a literacy rate that is well within, I think it's like the 20, 20s, 20%. It, it is, it's just like, it just goes to show you just how broken and piecemeal our public school system is. And, it, and, and what you're saying is just so emblematic of that. And that's, really disappoints me, especially if you're teaching like the most vulnerable population of students. That's just like. What I, what I think that a lot of it, what we're, we're discussing here is a great segue into the other part or the other segment of the show, which is highlighting mental health, highlighting the fact that there is a lack of, I would say a support, a support. structure for students in public schools and i would say throughout the um excuse me throughout the country because we see what happened in buffalo new york with that shooting there and now recently we had another uh, school shooting was not an actual student of the school sorry not a school shooting it was a buffalo shooting in supermarket and then this was school shooting in uh, in texas in valde texas with uh, salvador ramos who used an assault rifle to murder uh, 19 children and two teachers, and who also shot his own grandmother. Now, as we know, in Buffalo, they pushed the white supremacist uh, story and narrative, um, and they, they've harked on the fact that he was white, and they continued you know, hammering that fact. Now we have Mr. Ramos here, who was shot dead, um, who went on this rampage, and who actually is not obviously a white supremacist. Uh, at least that's not what the media has uncovered yet, right? I'm sure they'll find yeah, a way to He's not a white supremacist that. yet, Gabe. Wait. Right, precisely. I mean, hey, that's that's what they tried to do to me once. Um, so, with that being said, we find that now that there's no way to spin the white supremacist story, we find people trying to show that well, they're linking abortion versus and gun control. Well, you you can't get an abortion in America and in certain states, but you can go out and kill people. 
this is the bridge now. This is now the new narrative. We can't get on white supremacy, so now we have to get them on gun control. We have to get them on abortions. We have to wrap it all together in a nice little bow and put it into the media so they can be constantly repeated and repeated and hammering into people's head so that they can say, well, gun control, abortions. Hmm. Which one should be illegal? Which one should be illegal? And it's all about semantics. And we've seen this time and time again. There's some stuff that I will read to you guys off of Twitter so that you guys can actually react to it and let's let's see uh, how you guys go but let's let's jump into this part all right but yeah in in reality what the left does with guns is really really despicable because not only do they use these stupid slogans right like oh i i'm a woman and one day i wish i had as many rights as guns do or you know it's illegal to hunt a bird with two more than two shells in your shotgun but you can hunt children with 30 rounds and people like yeah that's crazy it's like no you can't hunt children. You're not allowed to hunt children. It's not, it's, it's, it's asinine. And we see it from the president all the time, right? Oh, deer don't wear Kevlar. Ha <laughs> gun owners are so stupid. Uh, you don't need an AR-15 because, you know, it's all about hunting deer. Incorrect. It is not about hunting deer. It is all about being able to protect yourself, protect your family, and protect your property from people who are willing to take it, whether that is a private citizen, a foreign invader, or your own government, God forbid. And they completely always they never talk about that, because once you start talking about that, you can't win that argument. Right. Joe Biden was like, oh, it's take on the government. You would need some F-15s and nuclear weapons. OK, well, you wouldn't. That's asinine because the Viet, the Viet Cong, all they had to do is hold out long enough for the people in America to get pissed off at the Vietnam War. And we pulled out of there and they won. OK, so you don't need F-15s to take on the government. You just need that threat that you could possibly push back. And that's what keeps them in check. They've been running roughshod over us for years. And that's when we're armed. Imagine what they would do to us if we were disarmed. I mean, it would make Stalinist Russia, Nazi Germany, Maoist China, all these things look like child's play, man. We're armed and they're taking our rights. What's going to happen if they disarm us? But Gabe, yeah, read us some uh, some ridiculous Twitter nonsense. Okay. <clears throat> Abortion does not kill children. Gun violence kills actual living children. Republicans need to answer this. Let's have Gabby answer this one first. Gabby, you muted yourself. Yeah, tactical tips. <laughs> Try it again. Okay, I don't know what's going on. My computer's super laggy, so it's... Okay, can you hear me? <laughs> Yeah, we got you. Do you need me to read the prompt again? Yeah, can you? Yes. So this is from uh, on Twitter, Rami, uh, on Twitter, at Rami Reiner. She is a photographer. She writes, abortion does not kill children. Gun violence kills actual living children. Republicans need to answer to this. Oh. <laughs> I mean... Oh, I, that's just, it's, yeah. well, <laughs> is, it's almost too stupid to respond to. Like It's really almost too stupid. Okay. Well, she goes on, she goes on, wait, wait, hold on. I am 24 years old. And when I was in high school, we were doing active shooter drills. This has to end. How many people have to die in order for Republicans to give a damn? Uh, it's beyond upsetting. If you're not outraged, you should be. But here's the thing. Like the last two mass shootings. I mean, I don't know about this kid. I shouldn't say that. But the last mass shooting that everyone's pissed off about, the guy wasn't a Republican. So why are you asking Republicans to answer for people that aren't Republicans? And, you know, it blows my mind because it's like, 
you care about the children. But again and again, I'll say it over and over, there are a whole bunch of other issues that are going on in this country that affect children directly, living happy children every day that affect them. But nobody talks about those issues. They only care about the guns rights. And it's just, it's, oh my God, mm. I don't know. It's because they only care about the issues that work for them, right? It's yeah. the same thing when they talk about, oh, with BLM, right? Oh, you know, white cops are hunting down black men in the street. First of all, incorrect. Secondly, you don't want to, and I, I actually triggered Jamel Hill on Instagram because I was like, well, why don't you want to talk about black on black crime? Because that's the number one cause of death for young black men is black on black crime. He goes, oh, that you don't understand. I don't. That's not the issue. I'm like, no, no, that should be the issue, right? But that doesn't work for their narrative. And it's the same thing where gun control, right? If we just take all the guns away, but all of these shootings, oh, not all, 99.9% of, of illegal, of, of violent crimes committed with firearms are committed with illegally acquired firearms. And they don't want to talk about that either. It's no, no, it's, it's the AR-15. It's the AR-15. Well, most gun crimes are done with handguns. But no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. No, I understand. It's the problem is that you don't understand. It's all about pushing the narrative. If it doesn't fit the narrative, they don't want to talk about it. It's the same reason why they say these asinine things like, oh, in Texas, it's uh, it's illegal to, to get an abortion. But, you know, you can shoot a bunch of kids in an elementary school. Incorrect. It's illegal to shoot kids in an elementary school. It, it, it's just this. It, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm like losing my mind here. That it's was so asinine and ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense. The second you break it down, it every all their arguments become irrelevant. And that's why they censor people. It's the same thing. Some moron, again, on Facebook was like, oh, well, can we at least agree that the founding fathers only thought uh, they wrote the Constitution with with um, with muskets in mind? And I'm like, well, first of all, that is com being completely ignorant of the entire argument that we're having here. The argument is that the right to self-defense supersedes technology. It doesn't matter. Just like, just like your right to free speech supersedes technology and it supersedes government. It doesn't matter what the technology is. The point of the Second Amendment is for you to be able, again, to defend yourself, to defend your life, your property, your family, whatever, from people who would do you harm. Anything else, I'm not, I'm not having that discussion on anything else because it's irrelevant. It has nothing to do with what the Second Amendment is about. Just like with the First Amendment, you're like, oh, well, should the First Amendment protect people whose religion is that they want to, you know, they worship a flying spaghetti monster? Sure. Why not? You want to worship the flying spaghetti monster? Go ahead. Oh, should it protect, uh, what's his name, Louis Farrakhan, who's a who's a, who's a anti-Semite and a racist? Absolutely. Louis Farrakhan is protected under the First Amendment. I think he's one of the most despicable people in the history of the world, and I've said it a million times, he has every right to be on social media. He has every right to say what he wants to say, because even though he's a complete dirtbag, the First Amendment guarantees his right to free expression. And it, it, it doesn't matter that you don't like it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you don't understand it. It's irrelevant. My rights have nothing to do with what you think or how you feel. And they don't like that because their whole worldview is based on how they feel. Oh, I'm so scared of guns. There shouldn't be any guns. If there were no guns, there'd be no crime. Well, explain to me how in London, people are constantly stabbed and have acid thrown in their face. How, how come in Australia, they have a higher rate of violent crime than we do in America? They banned guns years ago. It's because human beings are fallible, right? You cannot legislate evil out of the world. All this is going to do, if they decide, oh, we're going to try to ban this, we're going to try to ban that, all it does is affect law-abiding citizens because criminals don't care. Criminals will find a way. They will find a way to get guns. They will find a way to get knives. 
they'll find a way to get bombs. They'll find a get away. They'll find a way to get all of these things because they don't care. And making good people helpless does not make bad people harmless. And they don't understand this because it's all about the virtue signaling. It's all about, oh, the gun did this, right? Because now they can't blame the person because he's not a white supremacist. So now it's all about the gun. They're going to use, like we discussed in our previous episode, like they are going to use fear as a way to get the upper hand and leverage. If, if Do you guys watch the PAS report with Nicholas Giordano? I love Nicholas Giordano. He's a good friend of mine. I love him. He's bestie. Cool dude. But so he talks a lot about the domestic prevention, the domestic terrorism prevention act. He's been talking about this for like months. Okay. And he mentioned something really interesting in his last episode where Adam Kessinger, he went on this rampage about how like, you know, like MTG, Matt Gates, like they're all running on, on, you know, the fear of the American people, like the fear of Republicans and conservatives feeling that their rights are going to be taken away. They're writing on fear in order to make themselves speaker of the house. Meanwhile, the, the left has been using fear with COVID with black men fearing the police with Trump starting a nuclear war, all these crazy manic episodes from the left with their tantrums and, and instilling fear in people in order to get, you know, some kind of buzz around, you know, whatever agenda they're trying to pass. And in this case, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, which passed the House, is now in negotiations in, in the Senate. And what this legislation would essentially do is obviously expand the government's ability to surveil us. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a very vague bill. And it cross-references a lot of other different legislation. And it, it basically leaves the bureaucracy to, to do its thing, to, to you know interpret the bill how it wants. Depending if you live in New York versus Texas, the way that you get surveilled is going to be different. There's no um, real definition of domestic terrorism. And white supremacy and neo-Nazis are the only specific references the bill makes to domestic terrorism. And I want to get your take on that, specifically the part where they're only referencing neo-Nazis and white supremacists as the domestic terrorist threats. Because, again, it's all virtue signaling. That's all it is. And this is government action at its finest, right? There's a problem. Let's pass some legislation that does nothing to actually address it. Because, yes, well, white supremacy is extremely evil. So is black supremacy. So is Asian supremacy. So is any group that preaches racial hate on all levels. It's complete nonsense to push this bill where instead of being, you know, here's a list of domestic terror groups right there. No matter what race or ethnicity you are, it doesn't make a difference. If you are pushing for violence against civilian population, you will be labeled as a domestic terrorist. And having worked in law enforcement, I know what that list looks like. And it's not just neo-Nazis and white supremacists. So they are ignoring the the actuality of the situation where law enforcement knows that like sovereign citizens and all these other groups and black supremacist groups. What was it? The, uh, that, that, that black supremacy group that the guy was like talking about bullpup rifles and had no idea what he was talking about. And they shot each other by whatever his name was. The guy was a fool, but all of these places, these are all domestic terror groups, Antifa, all of these things. But let's not talk about that because what we want to do is we want a virtue signal to all those woke white women who are so terrified of what's going on and feel so terrible for all these poor people. And let's virtue signal to them so that they'll vote for us. And then we'll look like we're doing something. That's it. That's all it is. It's nonsense. Speaking of uh, virtue signaling, signaling white women, Sharon Watts from Twitter says, 
School shootings are not effing acts of nature, like hurricanes and tornadoes. They're man-made acts of inaction, of cowardice, of corruption by all lawmakers who refuse to pass laws proven by data to stop preventable census shootings like in Uvalde. Now, I'll say this first. Governor Abbott was right, which is what prompted me to say, well, if we make killing people illegal, shouldn't we have less? If we make murdering people illegal, shouldn't we have less killings? It's the same. It's the same logic. These people like to try and push what? Gun, uh, gun control. They call it common sense gun control so that if you if you can understand just a smidge of it, you have common sense. But if you find things that are wrong with it, you therefore do not have common sense and will point and laugh and shame you. So if you look at New York, if you look at Los Angeles, if you look at Chicago, you look at Detroit, all of these places have very strict and harsh gun laws. And yet they have some of the highest gun violence rates in the country versus looking at places like Texas. When, especially when you look at legal uh, people who own firearms legally, it outweighs the illegal firearm crimes outweigh the legal firearm cri- uh, firearm crime as well. So I'm not entirely sure what sort of statistically proven measures that she wants the government to act upon. It makes they, no they don't exist. They don't exist. This is the same thing where it was like a year and a half ago, two years ago. I turned on the TV and I don't have cable, so I was upstate and we had we have cable upstate and I turn on the TV. And it, it's a stupid ad where they go, black men are two and a half times as likely as anyone else to be killed by police. I'm like, first of all, it's not true. Where, where are your sources? Because the FBI crime statistics don't talk about this at all. It's completely ridiculous. But they present it as fact, even though it's not. Because if I just present it as fact and it fits my narrative, then it works. There is no data that gun control makes anybody safer. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Just like you said, Gabe. Baltimore, Detroit, New York City, Chicago. These are all extremely dangerous places with extremely high levels of gun crimes. But you know how they explain that away? Oh, well, the state's next to them. They have they have loose gun laws and that. No, I can't just drive down to Florida, buy an AR-15, and then drive back to New York. That's not the way it works. But they lie and they lie and they lie and they want people to be convinced that that's how it works. And it's just not true. Mm-hmm. When, when I was a citizen... Uh, New York State citizen, and I had my New York State uh, license. I was about to say, you're not a citizen anymore, Gabe. What did you do? Yeah, no, no. I had my, my, my driver's license for, uh, for New York State. Uh, I went I was in, went down to PA, going to see the family. And so they, uh, you know, went to, to a gun shop. I said, oh, I'd like to see what I can what I can buy over here. And I was like, oh, you know, I like, um, I was looking at an Air 15, for example. I said, I was like, just, uh, you know, shoot the bird. How much is it? I said, well, let me see your driver's license first. I said, okay, New York City. Sorry, I can't sell it to you. I had to go by the laws of New York City, by New York City gun laws. They could only sell me guns or weapons within the parameters of where I live. So, again, it's defeating their narrative. Right, but that, but that's what it does. Reality always defeats the leftist narrative because the left, left leftism is not based in reality. Their entire platform now, is based on postmodern theory. And postmodern theory is completely ridiculous. And it's all designed to get rid of objective truth because objective truth does not allow you to institute things like communism, like gun control, like all these other things that they want to institute because all you have to do is, oh, you want communism? Well, it didn't work in the in Russia. It didn't. It do, it doesn't work in China. It didn't work in Cuba. It doesn't work in. It didn't work in Nicaragua, in Cambodia, in Vietnam. All these places, North Korea. It never works. Oh, but you don't understand. We can we can make it. No, because a, re, a realistic person would go. This is stupid. 
This is dumb for us to try to institute communism. It's the same thing when they lie about the the so the you know Sweden socialism or you know Nordic socialism. It's not socialism. It, it's welfareism, and it's all funded by capitalism. It's all funded by extremely high by taxes and by extremely high sales tax. Well, I think it's Sweden has a twenty five percent sales tax or something like that. That's nuts. That's it. So if you buy something that's a hundred dollars, you're paying them one hundred and twenty five dollars for that thing. That's insane. Twenty five percent sales tax, and that's how they fund these things. It's all funded by capitalism, but they'll never admit that. It's all nonsense, and it's the same thing with gun control. There is no, no, zero, absolutely zero data saying that gun laws prevent criminals from buying guns and committing crimes. That sign outside of that school, it says gun-free school zone, might as well say shooting gallery on it. Because that's exactly what you're telling someone who wants to do harm to people. As opposed to a sign that says armed teachers on premises. Because if I'm, if I'm going to have to possibly go against one or more armed people and I really want to do the most damage, I'm not going there. I'm going to find that gun-free zone because then I know that I'm guaranteed success. These people aren't ones who want to go after. They won't want to go against the cops. That's why most of them either kill themselves or they surrender when the police show up because they don't want confrontation. They want to commit heinous crimes. And I, I hate when they're, this sounds bad. I hate when they're taken alive. I really do because these people are such dirt bags that they should be put down. These are awful, disgusting people who go and commit these acts. But to tell people that your rights don't count because someone else committed a crime is even more asinine. So every time there's a drunk driving accident, guess what? We should start banning cars and ban alcohol too. And ban cell phones for every distracted driver. Because someone else is irresponsible, your rights now don't exist. That's the exact opposite of what the founding of this country was about. It's about individualism and individual liberty. My rights have nothing to do with your rights as long as I'm not infringing upon yours. You don't want a gun? Fine. Don't buy one. You don't want to use, you don't want to, you don't want to talk a bit to people about, you know, topics you don't like. Guess what? You don't have to do it. You don't like the Catholic church. Guess what? You don't have to go to church. You can make your own religion. That's the beauty of this country. You could do what you want to do as long as you're not infringing on someone else's rights. But using using these tragedies to push the taking away of people's rights is asinine, and it does nothing to prevent the next one. No one wants to talk about putting armed teachers in schools or armed security guards. Oh, our kids, our kids, you know, it's so terrible. Our kids would never be able to focus with armed guards. Well, you're talking about how terrible it is you have to do active shooter drills. If I put a bunch of retired veterans out there to protect the school, guess what? These kids don't have to worry about active shooter drills because they're going to be protected. So either you want a solution, that's the solution. It's not taking away guns from law-abiding citizens. It's putting the protection in where it's needed, right? The White House is protected by men with guns. Airports protected by men with guns. Every single important institution, courts, all these places protected by men with guns. Schools protected by a sign. It's, I can't, I can't anymore. No, I, I agree 100%. I mean, hell, that, that goes, that throws out anything I had to say on the, on the topic. Um, you know, it was a great, it was a great, uh, uh, mini rant there, but I mean, seriously, you look at what happened with, uh, what Salvador Ramos did. He was upset. The theory is that he was upset that he could not graduate, that he was also bullied, that he did not feel like he had a place. The neighbor had an understanding of why, what, what might've triggered this. The school couldn't find out why with all their programs with other talks about equality inclusion and, and diversity and everything else they couldn't take time to set aside a kid who was falling behind who wasn't on track to graduate and say hey buddy what's wrong 
Because mental health initiatives in schools don't actually address mental health problems. It's the same thing when they push all this gender theory nonsense, right? If a child is going through gender dysphoria, again, I feel horrible for these children that they have to go through this. But to tell them that they should explore and enhance their mental illness is insane. These children should be guided to, through their adolescence. And then when they become adults, if they still feel this way, then by all means, do whatever you want. But you have all these people who were put on puberty blockers, who, who are going through these transition surgeries, who are still trying to commit suicide. And then people who want to detransition years later. And I'm not making this up. Watch the 60 minute episode. They had a whole thing on detransitioning. You don't, you know, if someone is suicidal, you don't go, you know what? You should explore that. I, I celebrate your suicidal tendency. No, you don't do that. You go, let's address this. Let's try to help you through this. So you don't feel that way. So instead of treating a psychological issue, you're now you're enabling them and your fix is a physical issue for a psychological problem. It doesn't even make any sense. So this kid had clearly had a lot of mental health issues, regardless of what they were. Again, there's a lot of misinformation on this. There's a lot of stuff just going around. We're not I'm not even going to go into any of that. But if this child had just been given proper mental health, you know, help, this could have been avoided Mm -hmm. or maybe it wouldn't have been. But at least it would have been an actual try as opposed to just the nonsense like, oh, well, if there were no guns, he couldn't have done this. And he couldn't have found a kitchen knife and ran into a school with a knife. Like, come on, let, let's it, it's nonsense. People are going to hate me for this, but we stopped institutionalizing people that were severely mentally ill. And, you know, I I can't express, you know, when you when you're walking through the city. And you're at, at a subway and you see the man pacing back and forth, smacking his head up against the concrete, screaming, pushing people onto the tracks, people shooting other people. There is a problem when every single city, every single big city you go to, you're seeing literally populations of people that are clearly not in sound mind. There, there needs to be a place that these people are admitted to and put away from society. That's just the truth. You know, like Kings Park over here went down. Pilgrim State over here went down. They were sanitariums, which I don't believe in. But there needs to be a place that people can go and not just for drug abuse or substance abuse. It needs to be a place where people who are having these intrusive thoughts people who are walking around naked on the subway, they need to be admitted and go somewhere. I mean, these people are right outside my school because I'm right by Creedmoor Hospital. So there's an outpatient facility right next to us and there's human feces on the ground. There's some dude tried to sell me pants a few years ago. <laughs> it's pure nonsense. I, these people are screaming at everybody. They're, they're trying to, you know, go into people's cars, you know, whacking off in front of the, like these people are clearly not being treated. And the reason why, these institutions failed is because they were run by the government and the government. What they do is let's just throw some money at it. And then we're not going to make sure it's actually functioning correctly because who cares? It's not our money. It's the taxpayer money. And then these private organizations that do open up and try to become something because of all the regulations imposed by the government, it makes it so much more expensive for these people to run and have, you know, a a seamless system and they end up failing. So that's a whole other yeah, that, that, that is a whole nother episode. Gabe, I'm going to let you take make the last point and then we'll wrap it up. I'll just say this. Thank God for the uh, off the off duty Border Patrol agent that ran in there and neutralized the target, eliminated him. 
Border Patrol showed up to assist as well um, with with the, when the police called for aid. Police were there on the scene. They shot, eliminated targets before he can continue doing more damage. And they had 600 kids in that school. So, I mean, it's terrible that any of them lost their lives. But yeah. freaking Superman running in there. Yeah. And this kid had over 300 rounds of ammunition with him. He intended to go on and continue as far as as um, as anyone would let him. And thank God that uh, that there were there that there were people there to stop him. And that's all I can say. All right, guys. So that will be our show for today. Please, please, please visit EmpireStateConservatives.com. Again, links to shows, merchandise, social media, where we are heavily shadow banned. And it's really, really frustrating. And I'm beginning to lose it a little bit with them. But on a lighter note, Gabby, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? So you can follow my Twitter at G-A-B underscore I, I mean, sorry, underscore R underscore I-E-L-L-E. Or you can follow my Instagram or um Media group at our freedom media group on Instagram. Gabriel. So you can find me on the Google at Gabriel E. Montalvo. Click my link tree and that'll have a link to everything that uh, that is me. So you can continue to bother me and ask me questions. And I can tell Evan, haha, look at me. I have more followers than you. Yo, know, I'm so heavily shadow banned and they threaten to delete my accounts all the time. But until they delete us, please follow us on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on Instagram at underscore Empire State Conservatives, on Twitter at Empire State Cons. Um, and again, once again, please, please, please visit our website, EmpireStateConservatives.com. All of our merchandise sales, I'm extremely thankful for everyone who's been buying. It, it has given me hope that there is faith in humanity, but please continue to do so. It is very important for us to be able to continue to provide this quality content and me and, you know, fire Gabe so I can find someone better. But, you know, until that day comes, it is what it is. So guys, for that, everybody, don't forget, let's go Brandon and don't forget, don't let fear take your freedom. (laughs) 